Hi, and welcome to Journey Through the Word, a podcast that takes us through the scriptures, one book and one message at a time. I'm Jeff Gilbert, and I'll be your guide through the Bible to help you better understand God's Word, what He wants to teach us, and more about His Son, Jesus Christ. Hi, today we're in Acts chapter 15, as we continue to talk about the development of the early church. And here the church is in Antioch, it's in the northern part of where Christianity had spread in that time. And the big question came about was about uh, religious customs. And the custom here that came to the church was that the uh, Gentiles who were being saved, the non-Jews, and who were being added to the church, that they should be circumcised according to the Jewish customs and the customs of Moses. And they said, unless you do that, you cannot be saved. It's kind of funny. Imagine God so dramatically sending Peter to witness to Cornelius, him having a conversion, being filled with the Holy Spirit, and the same thing happening all over the place the way God was working among the Gentiles, and then somebody comes along and says, oh, you're not really saved. Well, this is a problem in the early church because we have to remember that the church was coming out of tradition, custom, great religiosity that we see in the Old Testament, and they were trying to do something different, serve the same God, but through the grace of Jesus Christ instead of through practices, laws, and traditions was really, really hard for some of the people to let those traditions go. Other people hated tradition, hated customs, hated religion. So they had no problem, especially the Gentiles. They weren't religious, per se. So for them, no, this is all about a new life in in Jesus. And so in the church, there were people, we refer to them as Judaizers, who tried to take what God was doing and revert it back to the old ways of doing things. Yeah, let's include it, but let's not change the way things have always been. We have the same problems today in churches. You know, the the life that Jesus gives us is really free. Of course, we're not free to sin, but we are, are free to uh, follow Christ in the way that he directs our lives through the power of his Holy Spirit and through the plan and direction of his Holy Spirit. And there's always people who come along and try to change the way God wants to work and how he wants to do things. And man quickly tries to put his um, fingerprints all over what God wants to do without really thinking about it. Going back to customs, traditions, religious ways, and it destroys the things that God wants to do. So they were debating about it, and they said, well, let's go ask the the apostles in Jerusalem. So they agreed. So Paul and Barnabas went on down to Jerusalem to meet with the apostles and the elders with this one question. Do the Gentiles need to be circumcised in order to be saved? And on the way there, they stopped at all of the churches, and they were telling all the churches, the great work that God was doing amongst all the Gentiles. So we can already see 
kind of their opinion. God's already doing a work. Why, why should we mess with it? And when they got there to Jerusalem and they met with the counselor, there's a really incredible thing that uh, is in the church there. And it says that there were some believers, okay, so they are believers, they became Christians, who belonged to the party of the Pharisees. And they rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. So within the church, even though we're only in the first, you know, minutes of the church almost, first years at least, there's a group inside the church called the Party of the Pharisees. And you know, it's just incredible that no matter how easy and free God wants to make things for us to serve Him, there's always those people that try to burden us with traditions, customs, and religiosity. Say this, wear this, do this, be this, and then you'll be accepted, and then you can be saved, then you're really a Christian. In America, just as an example, because it happens everywhere, seen in Europe as well, so many old customs and traditions people drag along with them just because they're afraid to let them go. And it really stems from the idea that we can do things to earn God's grace and that it's not freely given to us. If I dress this way, if I say these things, if I look this way, then I can earn God's pleasure. And those who don't do these things are not really as Christian as I am, or maybe they're not even saved. Look at that. Well, that's wrong, of course. And another thing, sometimes God does speak to us individually about things he would like us to do or change in our lives. But those things are personal. That doesn't mean we should ever tell anybody what God spoke to us. Well, God asked me not to do this, not to go here, not to say these things. Those are things that God gives to us. And so we should keep them to ourselves. It's not a guideline he's giving to everybody, right? Because he asked me to do these things, therefore you should be doing them too. It's not a comparison test. And I would even challenge that most of the things I've heard people say God told them to do, in the end, had nothing to do with God, had nothing to do with him telling them what to, what to say or where or, or places to go. It's just... Their idea, they try to be more spiritual, and it's just wrong. It judges everybody else. So they go to Jerusalem. They meet with these uh, group of apostles. First Peter stands and he says, you know, God sent me to them and he saved them. And he didn't make any distinction between them and us. And he cleansed their hearts by faith. And now you're going to put this ridiculous yoke on the necks that neither our fathers or we have ever been able to bear. And that's true. If you try to please God by behavior only, you're never going to please him because our behavior is going to stink sooner or later. We're going to fail. We're going to sin. Our testimony might be marred in some way. And in those times, we have to depend upon the grace of Jesus and not on our good behavior. When he said those things, everybody fell silent. And you know why? Because they knew it was true. They knew that rules and regulations and laws were more than they could bear. If you were to go to Jerusalem today, you would see a place that's still the same. The, even those who call themselves Christians there are bound by religion. What they wear, 
what they pray to, some of it pure idolatry, the way people crawl and kneel and try to suffer for Christ and do it in Jerusalem because they think that's a holy place which is nothing God ever intended for Jerusalem or for Christianity at all. Smoking censers and priestly outfits and people lugging wooden crosses through the streets and other people back there just weeping because they think they can't please God. They don't understand even until today how free the salvation and the love and the grace of Jesus is. Then when he's finished, James replied, okay, listen to me. Now James here, this is the brother of Jesus, who's beginning to, at least in the word, it shows that he's beginning to be one of the leaders in the, in the early church. And he says, you know, let's, let's not put anything too heavy upon them. He quotes scripture about what the prophet said, that um, the remnant of mankind can seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who make these things known from of old. Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those Gentiles who turn to God. Amen to that. Do not trouble people who are trying to turn to God. Another thing that churches often make a mistake at, Somebody comes in, they really want to turn to God, and we start telling them how they need to change their lives. Leave it up to the Holy Spirit. I mean, the pastor can give a few, you know, guidelines to make things easier for them in a very gentle, loving way, but not telling them what to do. No, no, no. This is for God's work. He starts the work in a person. Let him complete the work in a person and don't get in his way. So, a couple of points here. One is that the when there was a question that arose, Paul, you know, who was really, a, you know, we know he, he, he wrote down most of the New Testament. Of course, he was a wise, intelligent, firm believer. Even he was willing to submit himself to other people who had wisdom and counsel of God as well. And no matter who we are as a believer, we have to submit ourselves to some other authority here on this world. It keeps our life in check and balance. We can say, I think this, and they have a different viewpoint, and we listen to them, and we humble ourselves, and we submit to others' opinions and others' directions from God. We go to a group and say, here's what God showed me, and they can say, no, this isn't from God. Or, yes, that's from God. Thank you for sharing it with us. It's, it's really the way God intends things to be. And when we see a person or a pastor or a leader of a church who's not accountable to anybody, that's a real danger not only for their life, but those who follow them as well. Because it's so easy for man to go off track, to be wrong, to listen to the own, his own voice inside his head or his own desires and, and really be convinced that it's from God when in fact it's not. So we need to submit ourselves to one another. Another thing that we should notice is that James gave them rules and regulations which were overturned later on because he said that the rules that they should, the only rules that they should really follow, uh, that they should abstain from things polluted by idols. So this was for the time in which he spoke, that perhaps the idea of eating things uh, that had been offered to idols was too close to the life that they were coming out of at that time. It's what I think. If I am really into a practice of idol worship and food combined with idol worship, 
then I should leave those things behind. That they should leave sexual immorality behind. Of course, that stayed within the church, and of course, that's even true till today, and Paul agreed, and everyone agreed, that we should refrain from sexual immorality. And then from what has been strangled, and from blood. So it was another food custom, and I think this also has to do with the the real pagan rituals that the uh, early Gentile Christians were coming out of. And so not to tempt them or not to cause any problems, these things were put in place. Later on, when you read through the New Testament, Paul kind of changes these things and says, you know, don't worry so much. Of course, we don't want to offend in what we eat purposely, but also we don't want to be judging ourselves if we should eat a piece of meat that happened to be offered to an idol. I mean, he says, it's just food. Just go ahead and eat it. It's no big deal. And that if somebody makes a big deal about it and they put it before you, just just eat it. But try not to offend anyone uh, in particular. So they followed these, these particular set of traditions and they sent them on to the, the Gentiles to follow as well. And then they took a letter and they said, okay, Paul and Barnabas, and they sent Judas along. They said, go back and take these letters, this letter to the churches and let them know what our ruling is. And, you know, when they heard that it was so easy, it says that they all rejoiced. They were so happy that it was going to be easy for them to serve God. It wasn't going to be difficult. Imagine back then, you're a Gentile, and you're interested in the God that the Jews serve. I'm talking before Jesus comes along. And you're looking at their traditions and you're saying, wow, I'd like to serve their God. In fact, we know some people did who weren't Jews. Uh, they were godly people and trying to follow you know, a, a godly way, even though they weren't Jew- Jews. They were looking at the traditions of the Jews and they thought, wow, animal sacrifice, all this cleansing, all these, I mean, they had ridiculous rules and regulations that they had to follow back then then they'd say, well, I'd like to follow their God, but look at all the rules they have in place. So now they said, oh, there's only a few rules that we think these are guidelines. They're not rules. They're guidelines. And we think we'd like you, you'd like to follow these, and then everything else is okay. The, the joy they must have felt when they knew they didn't have to be circumcised. Uh, all of these things were just great for them. And they were really happy. Do you know, that's what Christianity should be. It should be a joy to serve God. It should be happiness to serve God. It should be rejoicing to serve God. It's not about suffering under the weight and bondage of rules and regulations and religiosity. So they went, they testified of these things. Everybody was really happy. And they decided that it was time now. Paul and Barnabas said, hey, we need to go back and visit, revisit the churches of the brothers in every city where we proclaim, excuse me, proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. So they thought that was a good idea. And Barnabas said, I'm going to take with us John Mark. And Paul thought best not to take him because if we think back on their first missionary journey, after like the first stop or two, John Mark left them. Now it doesn't say why he left them, but he did. And obviously, Paul didn't agree with that because they really had a sharp disagreement. It says, verse 39, there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took John Mark and he sailed away to Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and he departed, 
having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Just one more thing about here. A lot of people have made a big deal that there was a disagreement. Well, disagreements happen in the church. It's, you know, it's, it's normal. People also make a big deal about deciding who was right. It must have been Paul who was right because we don't read anything more about Barnabas after this. Well, perhaps, but you know, Paul also was the author of the rest of these Bible, the rest of the Bible. Not the author, God we know is the author, but he's the one who conveyed the stories and the testimonies. So of course he's going to talk about his own testimonies and not those things that might have happened with Barnabas. I mean, come on, that doesn't make him right. It just makes him the one who recorded things. And one other thing, if you go to 2 Timothy, that's the last book that Paul wrote, and he's very close to his death. Who did he call to him? He called John Mark, saying he would be very beneficial to have him there. So there was no bitter feelings. There was no hardship. It was just a difference of opinion. And you know, by doing this, in fact, the church might have grown twice as fast because one team went one direction and one team went the other direction. So... It ended up okay in the end for the church, as we can see. And you know, when we don't understand something, or we have questions, we can go to God and ask Him, you know, God, I have real questions. We, we shouldn't be afraid to ask Him. We might not get the answers right away. You know, like these answers came to them very fast. But God will answer us. Sometimes He'll say yes, and sometimes He'll say no. And we should agree to the answers that He gives to us. But God doesn't want to put hard things that we can't bear upon us. He wants to give us a life filled with joy and freedom. And he wants us to serve him in in love, in joy, and in grace. So if you have questions for the Lord, go ahead and ask. Hopefully he'll answer you quickly. Ever-present help in trouble.